Welcome back to Behind the Mic with me, David Cotter, and this is episode 22. On episode 22, we have Adam Walsh. Adam is a 24-year-old internet entrepreneur from Waterford, Ireland. In 2019, Adam started his social media marketing agency. In 45 days, he managed to scale his business to $10,000 per month in recurring revenue, and it took him a further year to scale it to $54,000 per month in recurring revenue. Adam has automated over 90% of his social media marketing agency, and now he spends most of his time coaching people on how to start and execute their online marketing businesses. Aside from this, Adam has over 100,000 followers on TikTok and over 20,000 followers on Instagram. Most importantly, Adam is a very, very, very nice guy. Um, And if any of you guys feel inspired to start your own marketing business after listening to this episode, I will link all of his social handles below in the bio. And I can attest he's very responsive to messages. He's very good for the amount of followers he has. He's definitely one of the best people I've dealt with. Um, Aside from that, can you please... There is about 100 to 150 people listening per episode. And there's not many people sharing or liking or subscribing. So could you give me a hand if you do listen to it? Share it on your stories and we'll try and bump up them numbers a small bit. If not, no problem. I know some people aren't into posting it on their stories. But if you want to give me a hand, do that. Thank you very much. Also, you can go over and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's just David Cotter. Or you can search behind the mic. And lastly, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And yeah, that's about it. Okay, episode 22. Here we go. Adam, great to have you on. How are you? Thanks for having me, man. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I am very good. Now, in fairness, delighted to have you on. It's about probably, I suppose, three months, three, four months in the making now, I suppose, since I first talked to you. So delighted yeah, to finally get you on. 100%. Yeah, I know we've been in contact quite a bit, man. So I think there's lots we're going to dive into today. That is going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. And I suppose before we get started, Adam runs... Adam is a social media marketer and he runs online courses. And I actually took up one of Adam's courses there a couple months back and I'm delighted with it. Really fun. But we all know that side of Adam. So I'm more interested in getting to know the side of Adam now, the kind of what built up to you getting to where you are now, which are kind of multiple businesses and stuff on cool. the side. Sweet. Yeah, it sounds good with me, man. Happy okay. to dive into it. Cool beans. So. I suppose, actually, first of all, what part of the world are you living in right now? Right now, I'm in Belgium. Um, here for a few few weeks. Could turn into a little bit longer. Uh, the way I live my life is pretty... My business is organized, but my personal life can be sporadic. So, like, I could book a flight and be, you know, be in a country for a week. And that week could turn into three or four weeks. So, yeah, man, for right now, that's where I'm at. That gives us all hope because there, there we're all thinking that you're like this perfect guy is everything <laughs> like set down, fucking jotted down, everything, time boxed and everything. But that gives us hope. That gives us hope. Yes, sir. Yes, there's sir. There's flaws. I... There's chinks in the armor. Yeah, of course. There's many chinks, man. Many chinks. Holes in the, you know, holes in the shirt I'm wearing right now, man. Oh, yeah. Um. Okay, Adam. So you are from Waterford? Yes. Yes, sir. What was that like growing up for you? Tell us, tell us a bit about that. Interesting question. I've never answered this before, so you're definitely putting me on the spot, which is good. 
Um, so yeah, for me, I think growing up, I well, first off, I always knew I didn't really want to follow the conventional path. So at like age 12, man, and I don't know where the awareness came for me to be able to decide this, but at age 12, I, I said to myself, look, I'm never going to have a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, I'm I'm trying to figure out what was it that pushed me to do that. And I think it was where I lived, right? So where I'm from, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really know anybody in business. I didn't really know any entrepreneurs. Someone in my family, one of my aunties did have like a bar for a few years, but that's kind of the most like entrepreneurial that I'd know of. Yeah. And so for me, man, my biggest, you know, the biggest thing for me was when I was 12, my brother and sister are older than me. So they were getting jobs. Okay. So they're, let's say 15, maybe 17. They're getting little side jobs uh, in the local amusement park. Mm -hmm. And for me, man, I was incredibly shy, very insecure, not very confident. So that was terrifying, like absolutely terrifying because I'd have to deal with people, right? I'd have to like, you know, get them onto the rides exchange money get them the right change all of that to me that was like oh boy like i'm not gonna do good at that so that's where that thought came from Uh, i think you know again it's it's a small place that i come from it's not a big city again there's not too much going on like there's not Mm -hmm. that much industry um i guess i just wasn't exposed to much so i spent a lot of my time on the internet as a kid so like age 10 11 12 you know, I was on Facebook in like fifth class in school, you know, way before you're meant to be on it. I was just super curious about the internet. And to be honest, man, I tried absolutely everything I could to make money online, yeah. like everything, like yeah. genuinely everything. So people will see what I do now and think, yeah, this guy just started a business. Boom, it, it kicked off and it was all super rosy. Nah, like you named the business model. I've probably tried it. Uh, some you know semi-successful some very much failures but yeah man for me um you know my surroundings I think did influence that because there wasn't maybe that much to do because I wasn't exposed again to people who were doing very exciting things I think I was yeah just pushed a little bit more inward uh to look you know inside myself of hey what can I do what can I do online and again I was very shy very insecure very not confident mm-hmm. and again it's very hard for me to know where that came from because I had lots of love from my family you know everything was super good on that front but yeah man uh, that's what that's what kind of pushed me into the business world so I do think the upbringing and where I live did shape that yeah but yeah yeah um like you you mentioned there that your your older brother and sister they got jobs in in the amusement park mm. when you were getting to kind of 16 like i don't know if, were were you making enough money where that like your parents weren't saying like come on adam get out and fucking work in the cinema or the super value or something were you making enough money where you could kind of like pawn them off mom and you know making 50 50 euro a week you know just enough to buy yeah. my lunch or whatever during the week exactly man exactly they had that little bit of proof um, so like, you know, open a bank account, obviously at 16, that was at the time. Anyway, that was like the youngest you could be. I think now you can get like accounts with you your parents and something and like stuff, that. Yeah. 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 But for me, that was kind of like the first and yeah, it was just the proof. So that's all I needed to show them. So they were very supportive uh, of me, of my ventures, all that good stuff. And, you know, they didn't force me out the door to get a job. But at the same time, if I was making zero, they would have. And yeah. I would have wanted them to, because I don't think you should, you know, give yourself that excuse um, of like, I can't get a job because I'm making money with a business. 
if you're only making 50 a week, you probably should get the job just for the experience and the money and the savings and all that good stuff. So like, like you say, you'd kind of a couple of failed business Mm. um, things, but if you're kind of 16 making, we'll say, I don't know, 50 or 60 or a week, that to me is quite good. Like, cause I was working in super value. Mm. I'd say I just finished my junior circ. Like, so I went straight into working in super value Mm -hmm. and I was working there for about three years, but it was like six euro an hour and I was working 20 hours a week. Like, so I was coming up yeah, with just yeah. about, I don't know how much that equates to so my maths is bad. Like, but it was not good. I, I remember looking at my pay packet thinking I was rich, making yeah. about 124 euro. Yeah. I was working oh, definitely five, six evenings a week, you know, during transition year, you don't have yeah. that much to do. Of course, man. Of but course. like, if you're kind of making a bit more than that online, like that to me would have been especially back then prices were a lot cheaper for everything yeah. you know 100%. 10 about 10 years ago now yeah yeah um so were they really failed or were they kind of you know you just tried them they didn't get to where you wanted yeah. them to be yeah so, some were real failures as in they didn't make any money like genuinely no money like this not even a single yeah yeah for sure man so i had in total maybe like three or four drop shipping stores Two of them made some money, the other two like completely failed. And obviously to run the store, you do have to spend some money. So they would have been negative, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that they made zero, it's made, they made zero. They also cost money to set up. Um, I had an e-commerce store that did decently well, but that's because I had kind of proven, okay, we've done like four or five stores and like that's on the low side, man. If I was to open up a Google Drive folder with all my old stuff, there's probably more in there. Yeah. Um, so multiple of those failed. What got me into that was Twitter, which not people, not not many people know about this, right? So okay. with Twitter, there was this community back again when I was like kind of 15, 16, where people would create what we would now call theme pages or niche pages. Mm-hmm. So like posting content, like comedy content, um, but it would all be niched to a specific topic. So for example, I had a page which was all about Consuela from family guy, family guy which is yeah. literally just you know a character in it right yeah like the most niche things you can think of but if you knew how to brand it very well so that when people saw the page they knew exactly what they were getting like they're not going to see anything else but specific content about that topic and you had the right connections and strategies you could you could get a lot of followers very quickly and obviously with those followers you could then do shout outs, you could do promos where people just pay you a, let's say $50, shout me out. Or you could send traffic to a store, like a drop shipping store or an mm-hmm. e-com store. So I had multiple failed pages, okay, pages that obviously never took off, that took a lot of work. And yeah, just, just burnt hours and hours on. But obviously at that age, again, like my mom wasn't knocking on my door saying, you need to give me a grand for rent this week or this month right like you know obviously there wasn't as much pressure and but that's yeah those were again a lot of failures there but obviously in that kind of business you have to fail to get results and i think that's really true of any business it's like if you start a marketing agency like i did like you're not going to crack it from day one you're going to have to take meetings and calls and, and and do things where you get nothing back you take a call they don't sign up you make no money that's yeah. just part of it. So although I say failures, they were necessary. It's not as if it was like I worked for three years and I went broke. It's like, no, I just tried a whole load of things. Some made money, some didn't. But obviously they all led to me starting an agency and, and everything else that I do now. So failures, but 
very very glad they happened yeah yeah you learn you learn from them of course um and again just sorry now to backtrack again but your brother and sister what was you said you were like you had a very loving family what was your relationship like with your brother and sister i believe we see your brother the odd time in yes. some of your instagram so we? yes yes so i'm extremely close with both of them um i actually shared a room with my brother we had bunk beds till age like i think i was like 16 or something i think that's so good i yeah, honestly do man. i think like you can build such a good relationship with your siblings by sleeping in a room i actually slept, yeah. or stayed in the same room as both of my brothers because nice, I'm, okay. I'm in between both of them i have an older brother and a younger brother gotcha. so when my older brother got too old and too cool to have his younger brother sleeping with him i got moved to my younger brother's room and uh, he was yes. so young he needed someone like you know to i suppose keep him from the monsters and the, the darkness of course. You know? yeah so yeah, yeah. i got to sleep with both of them did it help my relationship i have a pretty good relationship with both of them i'd say now but i i do think it's a good thing to 100 man and i think the way houses are going now it's actually the opposite you know everyone has their own mm, room yeah like we we moved into a different house then because obviously my mom had two more kids after <clears throat> or i have two more younger siblings again my mm. two sisters and then we moved into a bigger house and we all had separate rooms. So it was like we kind of went away and locked ourselves into rooms in the evening. Yeah. So you don't have the kind of relationship building that you do when you're staying in a room with someone, even if it is only for a year or two. Agreed, man. 100%. Like, it's the little things, right? So back then, obviously, we didn't have TVs in the room. Um, some people did. We didn't. That was like a very strict rule in our house. We had very limited, like, screen time. Uh, so we'd be able to use, like, obviously phones. We'd be on the computer and stuff. But it was always very limited. And that's mm. something I really treasure from my upbringing. Like we were told, get outside, like do things, play music, learn the drums, uh, do art, like do all these things. And yes, you can use technology, but like in a very limited way. So like you said, man, when you see kids nowadays, it's typically, yeah, you've got your own room. You've got a TV in the room. You have an iPad. You have a MacBook. Like they've all these things. So they've no need to even be with their brother or sister. But like, mm. obviously, you learn so much from them. Um, it's funny, like my brother's three years older than me, but like everybody thinks we're the same age. They think yeah. we're twins. They think like, you know, we're, we're on the same level because I think we we are because I grew up with him. He grew up with me. So we basically just matched each other. Yeah. We had a lot of the same friends growing up as well. So, uh, yeah, man, we're incredibly close. Uh, not as close as my sister, just because obviously didn't live in yeah. the same room with her, yeah. but still very, very good relationship. Uh, it's something I very much treasure, man, because, you know, I think when I hear of people who are only childs, like they have yeah. no siblings, like, man, I think that would have been very depressing for me mm. as a kid. Obviously, yeah. lots of time for introspection, and you know, finding yourself. But I think you find yourself around people as well through yeah. your relationships and through your connections. So, yeah, I think it was, uh, it was good stuff, man. So there was no there was no Barneys in the bedroom between you and your brother. No fighting. Nah, no, we ba barely fought. And when we did, it was well deserved that someone got a box, you know, and it was like, <laughs> you, was, just, you yeah. need that. So, yeah, that's that's always good to hear. I always think when um, when there's no boxing at all, there's something wrong. There's yes. something wrong. There's something amiss. Exactly, man. You need a little bit. 100%. You're not close enough because you're not getting on each other's nerves enough. Yes. 100%. Um, so. That's kind of your your teenage years and then were you kind of so in your leaving cert were you kind of build you build it towards going 
to college but did you know when you were doing your leaving cert that you didn't really want to go to college and it was just kind of not a right passage but you know Mm. like you know your parents wanted you to do it so you were going to do it yeah yeah exactly man so I knew I would never use my degree like like very very young because again I had told myself I was never going to get a job so that was just out of the question and I'm Mm. I'm very stubborn so if I like say something it's I'm going to stick at it Mm. I'll, I'll keep going right I'll keep knocking on the door until that door opens um so for me man yeah college was definitely like you said a rite of passage it was a backup plan so if things did fail it's there just in case um there definitely was pressure from my mom not so much my dad he's extremely laid back and chill so he genuinely would just be like you just do what you want yeah like literally whatever you want in life you do it and i thought that was it was nice because i had a good balance right my mom is very much get your career you know climb the ladder if you need to um, get a safe, secure job, save for your house, get your mortgage, all that. The traditional mm-hmm. route, very, yeah. very traditional. So there's definitely a lot of pressure on me to follow that. My sister was a teacher. My brother is a teacher. A bunch of my cousins are teachers. It was kind of preached to me that becoming a primary school teacher was like the route. It was like mm-hmm. the way to go. Good holidays, decent pay, yeah. all of that. So I knew I wasn't going to do that. I was like, hell no, that's not happening. But I loved business, right? I was obviously doing business already while in school. I was running little side hustles. So I started to look into business courses. It's a weird one, man, because a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they drop out of high school, they drop out of school, they drop out of college, all this. I never did that. Like I obviously thought about doing it. Uh, Trust me, I had many of those thoughts of like, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. I need to go a different route. But you do learn a lot from it. And I am definitely glad that I did go. Um, now, what I did do, right, was in my leaving search, I picked one course and it was offered in Dublin and Cork. And I think Galway at the time as well, but I didn't want to go to Galway. So I was like, mm-hmm. right, it's Dublin or Cork. Uh, it's called Commerce. And Dublin is around like the 500 points mark for your leaving search. I think Cork was about 450 or 400. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right. I'll probably get one of them, maybe not Dublin, because that's a bit high. And I was studious, but it was my top priority. So it was mm-hmm. always second priority after side hustles. Um, and I said to myself, if I don't get one of them, I'm just not going to college. And that's it. So yeah. it's like, if I don't get one of those, we're just not going. And that's just the way it's going to go. And I'll do my own thing and I'll figure it out from there. Uh, I did actually get to go to Dublin, went, studied commerce, did it for three years and again, like looking back, there's not much that I can say I use today. Yeah. Like, do I use all the things I learned in a marketing class? Hell fucking no, because all of it was outdated. They were talking about Google ads as if it was revolutionary for, you know, four or five years ago <laughs> when it had been around for like whatever, 10 plus years. They were talking about Snapchat. You know, it was just very, very old school, very yeah, outdated. Yeah. One look at the app and you'd see the updates yeah. and know more about it. Like <laughs> Exactly. 100%, man. But nonetheless, like the connections you make, like I've got a lot of very strong connections from college. But for me, it was more the doors that it opened. So I got to do uh, about, I think it was, yeah, four months of a college semester, which was the full semester mm-hmm. in Singapore. So that's oh, in the nice heart one. of Asia. Obviously, it's a very good point if you want to travel. So I was still doing side hustles, still making some cash. So I was like, fuck it. I'll go do the semester abroad. It'll obviously be a good good fun, right? Mm -hmm. I get to go with people from my class. I get to meet people from all different countries. It's going to be good. I did that. And man, that was phenomenal. Such a good experience. I got to go all around Asia, probably went to like 10 different countries, 
Uh, I had the cash to fund it just from the side hustle. So we were all good. You know, I didn't have to take out loans or anything like that. Um, now, one real downside of that, that I don't, again, don't know if I've mentioned this anywhere, is that although travel is amazing and I fucking love it, like I do quite yeah. a lot of it, I went down this kind of rabbit hole of finding myself. You know, you're in Asia, there's a lot of backpackers. It's very kind of spiritual minded. It's very break out of the system, live in the woods kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. and what that did for me was it kind of pushed me to a point where my side hustles fell off a cliff. Okay. Like they just, they were just kind of steadily going down and down, you know, making less and less, but I didn't do much about it because I was kind of stuck in this, you know, it's all going to be good. Everything's going to work <laughs> out. You know, that hippie. kind of vibe, right? Yeah. Very hippie vibes. Yeah. So for me, although I look back on that fondly, I would have saved myself a lot of heartache if I didn't do it, because when I came back, I was lost. I was going into my final year of college and I was like, man, you told yourself you're not going to get a job, but you're making fuck all money. You have no <laughs> yeah, idea you what you're doing. You know, you don't know how you're going to get back on the horse. And I started applying for jobs. So I did actually start applying to jobs. I went against what I had promised myself. Uh, no, I didn't get any of the jobs at all. And that mm. was that's very clear to me now. It's because I didn't actually want it. It was out of, I feel I need to do this, not I want to do this. So because of that, I obviously didn't put in full effort, uh, did a couple interviews, never got very far. And that to me was just kind of like the ultimate blow, like the ultimate kind of kick mm. to say, again, like what I did with college, if you don't get these and you get these first couple of jobs, that's it. You're not doing a job. And yeah. it was back to the drawing board. I started freelancing and that was kind of my first, my first, um, probably the most successful gig that I did at that time which was necessary because it got me out of that hole you know out of that hole yeah. of i'm gonna have to get a job and that then led to starting the marketing agency which has led to everything else from there so not a not a all up journey you know it's very much up and down and points where i was like jesus i can't even make enough to cover rent but i'm gonna get back on the horse here try a bunch of stuff and yeah and make it work and what about your experience in college socializing? Were you quite social or were, would you say that you were in your, did you, I presume you stayed in Dublin, Waterford to Dublin's bit of a journey. Like, did you live up? Yes, I did live in Dublin. So I lived there for three years. The first year I was living on campus, second year, a little bit out of the city. And then third year was like very, very close to where I went to college. Now, Okay, I was super into health and fitness when I started college and I was doing side hustles. Okay, so for me, when I went into first year, I didn't do what everybody else did. Everybody else pretty much partied, you know, went out like probably three nights a week. Yeah. And then a little rest and then get back on it for the next week. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, you know, everybody does it, right? I would go out, but I wouldn't drink, but I'd only go out once a week. So I'd go out once a week because like you have to, if you want to meet people, you just kind of have to do it or yeah. else you're going to be sitting there with no friends. So I said, I will do it. But I wasn't drinking. I was on this period where I was very, very into self-improvement. I was like anti-porn, no fap, cold showers, meditation, working out, clean eating, the whole nine yards. So I was like, I'm not going to go and drink. So what I used to do, man, was like I'd go out, stay out till 3, 4 a.m., come back. And at the time I was running the e-commerce business where I'd have to pack orders because I was like shipping the orders myself. Okay. So I'd have to like pack orders for a couple hours in the morning. Then I'd have to figure out the marketing for the day. Like, how are we going to make sales for the next day? Uh, so my day was pretty sporadic, man. My college life was not as social as it could have been. I could have met way more people. I met enough people, but it was very mixed. 
I was like working out five, six times a week, putting a lot of focus on that. Uh, I was studying nutrition just as like a side hobby. I was running that business. I was going to college. I was trying to meet people, but I was also trying to get good grades in college because there was this maths module that I had in the first semester and I was really, really bad at maths. And this was like really high level stuff. And if I had mm -hmm. failed it, I just couldn't continue with the course. So I had to spend like probably 10 hours a week just on that subject, like yeah. purely just, just learning as much as I could. Um, so yeah, man, met a lot of good people, but there was definitely more I could have done. Yeah. But again, it was very balanced. I got a bit of everything. What was the reaction from people you would meet out when you would say you're not drinking? Oh man, it was it must have been it was tough for you, actually. Very yeah. tough. Very tough. Because you know, first off, if you like, I didn't really know anybody when I went to Dublin. There was like, I think two people from my school that went to Dublin or like went to the same college as me. So I knew two people and I wasn't even like that good friends with them. It was just like, you'd say, hi, how are you doing? How are mm -hmm. you finding things? That's it. So I very much had to find new people. I had no choice. Most people, when they go to college, they have like that little group of people, you know, that went to college with them. They can yeah. fall back on that. I didn't have that. So I very much had to put myself fully out there. And of course that does cause a little bit of controversy. Oh, you're not drinking. What's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> like is there a reason why? And then you're just like, no, it's just that I want to get up in the morning and work on my side hustle. That doesn't go down too well, obviously with a lot of people. That can scare them. That can, for for a lot of closed-minded people, that can seem very weird, very scary, very much you're not doing the norm, so we're not mm -hmm. going to associate with you. Yeah. Uh, but obviously I met a lot of people that were like, that's class, that's amazing. I wish I could do it. And there was so many guys, man, that I met that told me in first or second year, I'd love to do what you're doing. Like, I'd love to do my own little thing on the side, but I'd also love to not drink and not be forced into that, not feel the pressure to have to do it. And I'd always get the question, how do you do it? It's like, you just decide and you do it. It's that's yeah. that's all it is. And it's obviously difficult. It's awkward. It's not as easy to socialize, especially when everyone's drunk and you're fully stone cold sober. But it builds your confidence a lot. Mm. And that's what it did for me a lot, because I would go out and, you know, a lot of people rely on drink to become confident, to talk to girls, to talk to new people, full mm -hmm. stop. Whereas I had to just do that without the drink. And you do create your own sense of confidence from that. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a good experience, man. But life probably would have been easier if I did drink. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a social lubricant, 100%. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting to me, though, because, like, I still battle with that to this day, like, because... Mm. Like I obviously go with my friends and drink and just two weeks ago I went back to Cork and I was dead after drink. I mean, I was KO'd, like I was so sick the next day. And I, yeah. I, like when I came home, I was fine that yeah. night, but I, I get so, so hungover. Mm. It's not even funny. Like mm. I was actually speaking to my mother this morning um, and I was just telling her, I was like, you know, even the last two weeks when I'm thinking about the drinking, like, you know, mm. I'm starting to like almost like, you know throw up in my mouth when i yeah. think about it because i was so sick the next day and you know she was like oh that'd be a great idea for a podcast you should talk <laughs> about that and i was like you know what it probably would be because it is it gets into like it gets me like and i have no problem with anyone drinking because i do it yeah. myself but of course for me it just does not suit me like and it's there's no. going to come a point very soon where i cut it out completely it's been like since college like it's just been the slow disentanglement mm. away from it for me yeah but i find now that i'm also getting much sicker 
the less I drink, you know, because in college, like you mentioned, you recover you very easily yeah. two or three nights a week. And it's yeah. your body's used to drink. It's almost, you know, it feels worse when it doesn't have drink, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, 100%, um, man. And one thing that's that was interesting with me, man, is like before I went to college, I did a lot of drinking. So like, again, where I'm from, you just start young. Like mm-hmm. most people have their first drink at like 12, 13. So it's like, you know, you're in fields drinking six or seven cans at 15 or 16 yeah and i'm not a big dude so obviously i was getting fucking shit faced getting sick in fields all that so i think i got a lot of it out of my system where a lot of people i went to college to like so many people in college man especially from dublin so i don't know if it's specifically dublin or whatever Mm -hmm. um or the college i went to because it's ucd with a different different part of the city goes to ucd right um most people hadn't drink drank like maybe they had one drink at 17 and then they started at 18 and then they went to college so most people let loose like they went crazy because they had to experience that whereas i already kind of got to experience that not in a nightclub but in a field but it was yeah. still you know still a good time right yeah so i think for me it was like i was kind of just sick of it anyway at that point so i probably had that realization that you're having now of like nah this just this isn't worth it i feel absolutely terrible each time so i'm just going to stop doing it but now I do drink. So like I will drink. In fact, yesterday I had like a beer and a bit of cava, right? Yeah. We're at a little family event. So there you go. Had some drink. But most times what I'll try and do is have periods where I don't drink at all, like nothing for maybe two to three months. And then there's one big blowout where you let loose like completely and you do get really probably sick the next day and then you're good to go again. And you don't want to and do that's it again. What you do now is <laughs> for another like two, three months, man. Yeah, because I'm a very intense person, so I do want to experience it. Like it is an element of life, and you have an amazing yeah. fucking time. And I want to have good times, especially when you're making money. It's like, what do you do? Like you can't yeah. just make the money. Like you got to have a good time. But that's the way I approach it now, where it keeps me sane and I don't fall back into it. Mm. Is I'll do it. We'll do it extreme. We'll have a great fucking time. But then we're just gonna leave it for a while, and we'll <laughs> yeah. come back to it in three months. Yeah. Because my friends always mock me. They're like, you know, every time I go on a drinking session with them down to Cork, they're like, oh, yeah, see you, see you in six months, Dave. Because I do that as well. Like, I just disappear. I'm like, I'm not coming back to see you fuckers again. It's the way um, to do it, man. Yeah. But you see, actually, I think what happened with the last couple of weeks was <clears throat> there was just a couple of so many family family events in a row. Mm. And I a friend came back from America. I was meeting up. With, and, it, you know, I got into this point where I was eating shit during the week just because mm-hmm. I was like, I couldn't face my salads or my, you know, yeah, my course. good foods. I was yeah. just not a- able to eat them during the week. So I was maybe eating fucking a hash brown sandwich or something, you know, and I like to eat really well normally, mm. you know, from Christmas, like from actually from last August up until I would say probably June of this year. Like I was as clean as a whistle, like, you know, really good. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a funny one for me. It just it, it doesn't seem to suit me. And I actually I was saying this to my mom as well. Like, you know, I I 100 percent think that I could be definitely one of these people that would get like depressive thoughts mm-hmm. if I was a drinker. You know, I because yeah. I kind of like I suppose <clears throat> in my household, we were we were quite tough, you know, like, you know, the mental health thing. Mm didn't quite sit well with us because if we have a problem we hash it out you know so it never really becomes a problem you know none of us when we're feeling down we kind of talk it out you know or you know stuff like that but when I drink and a week after that and then if I compound it by drinking the next weekend after that Mm -hmm. which I did four times I was like oh my god I can actually feel myself 
yeah. you know, losing and actually creating like a bigger imposter syndrome of everything I'm doing. Mm. Like just like last week, I was like, oh my God, my fucking podcast is terrible, you know? And yeah. it literally took me the last guest that was on, <clears throat> he just released it today, number 21. He sent me a video and he just asked what's up <laughs> like that. And he sent me a video saying, you know, oh, you're in the top 1% of podcasters ever because you've created 21 podcasts. And he said, nice. of, of all podcasts started, only 90% of them don't go past four episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of the, the rest that go past four, 90% don't reach 21 episodes. Wow. And that little message to me, I was like, okay, I need to fucking get back on the saddle here yes. and just like cop the fuck on, you know, like, because I was starting to feel sorry for myself and just imposter syndrome was growing and growing and growing. Yeah, man. And we all battle that, like everyone does. And I think from the outside looking in, like, I'm sure people who are watching this are thinking, ah, yeah, you know, David has a pretty figured out, like he's doing these mm. podcasts, he's very open, he's talking about stuff, but like everybody has it, like same with me. You'll see a version of me on social media, which is a version of me. That's what's on social media, right? Whereas like Mm. there are days where I'm like, I don't want to really work today. Like I'm not really feeling it. There's days where you're just not feeling that confident and that happens. And I think what a lot of people get wrong is that nobody's motivated all the time. Like I'm not motivated every day. Like some days I wake up and I don't want to work. But really when you're doing something like we're doing, you just, you have to, like you force yourself to do the work, to do what you need to do, to show up and be consistent even when you're not feeling it. And that, that is just a part of it. But the imposter syndrome is is deep, you know, and for a lot of people that lasts for a very, very long time. I think especially in what we do as well with marketing, mm-hmm. because it's a very formal business, right? A business pays you, it could be a thousand a month. That's a lot of money, yeah. right? Like that is a lot of money. So there's a lot of pressure on you. You're going to think if I do one thing wrong, boom, I'm gone. They're going to fire me, move on to the next person. So you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. So naturally, if you're starting this and you don't have years of experience, you're going to think, Mm -hmm. I'm not cut out for this. This is not for me. This is for the people that have gone to college and studied business. And that is just a part of life. It's a part of life. It's a part of business. So if someone is listening, thinking that, and they want to do something like me or like you, just realize everyone has it. Like every person you watch online has it as well. Even the people that have YouTube videos with 10 million views can guarantee you they are thinking the same sometimes. Yeah. I actually think that imposter syndrome is so useful too, though, because it puts you in check and it doesn't let you get ahead of yourself at all. You know, because without imposter syndrome for me, you know, because like I'd say every episode I do with the podcast and every, every, like I only have two clients now that I'm working with um, marketing wise. But I still think, geez, I'm not deserving of even the people that are listening to me or the people that I'm working on or I'm doing Mm -hmm. a bad job with them. So it kind of like constantly is like checking me. I'm like, you need to do better. Try a bit harder for him. You know, is there something you can level up on? Even just a small bit each day, you know, like, is there something I can do for the podcast that will streamline it a small bit more Mm -hmm. or, you know, make the production a small bit better? It doesn't have to be yards better, like just something small bit better every time. And that actually will set you up. I think quite nicely for the next day because you're like, oh, I actually accomplished this yesterday. So now yeah. it's it's a bit more smooth. Or, you know, I, I think I did something actually in my business there last week. Or actually, and I finished a bit this morning as well. And I was like, 
grand that's really helpful what i did mm, now yeah. you know and last week when i was looking at it i was like oh this is an insurmountable problem mm. and i was beginning to think oh my god what did i start this for you know you know why did i do this you know and but the imposter syndrome was useful because it made me do not it wasn't an issue but it was it's it's now going to be so much less of an issue you know going forward you know mm. It forced you to take action, right? And I think though, David, like that's how you approach it, right? Because for a lot of people, they, I don't know if they don't have something in them or they're just at a stage in their life where they're not as, let's say, confident or motivated or disciplined, right? And for them, like that, whatever that problem was might've been like game over, you know, mm-hmm. not that's my sign to not even do this anymore. Whereas you took that as this is a moment of doubt, but then I'm going to just work extra hard to prove to myself that this is a good podcast and I am on the right track and my clients are happy because you just go the extra mile. So I definitely agree with you there, man. Like you can use it so usefully and like you can get so much out of it, but I know a lot of people, they let it consume them mm-hmm. and just take over. And again, that's happened to me in the past. So I'm not saying this as if I have all the answers. I'm just saying yeah. it does happen. But if you can do what David did and just rewire your thinking to say, yeah, I think I'm not cut out for this. But if I just work extra hard, I'll probably feel a bit better about it. Mm. So I've just worked extra hard on it. Yeah. And I think as well, like, it's it's not even work extra hard. It's actually just do a little bit more. Like, a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit more. And I'm not sure if it was you or if it was someone else, but I was listening to a podcast one, one day and it was like the, the law of a little bit more. And I was like, oh, my yes. God, that is that to me is just fucking i think it was you did you probably did, was yeah, yeah i've I got think, some videos on that topic oh yeah. man i was like that is fucking just plot away every day and then i you know because i read arnold schwarzenegger's um autobiography there last year i think it's called total recall or something and he talks about imagine if you did you spent one hour each day doing something you know building your business mm-hmm. building your podcast imagine just spending one hour that's 365 hours yeah and that compounds over time because every hour isn't as hard as the hour before. And some hours are hard, you know, there's outliers, but it gets easier. hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Um, yeah, I know atomic habits. That's a book that really goes into detail on that right there of just being 1% better every day. Similar analogy. If you're 1% better every day, you're 365% better every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's all the little actions, man. Yeah. Like I was on a podcast recently um from two guys based out of dublin they both run like pretty successful companies um well no sorry one has a company one just makes a lot of money in a company Mm -hmm. but nonetheless successful guys and we got onto that topic of like you know what makes you actually get results and how did i scale my agency to you know our peak was 54k in a month how do you scale it to that point and again it's there's no one little trick there's no one little secret with anything it all just comes down to consistent action over the long, mm-hmm. long run. So for me, and I always say this to people, I am not incredibly smart. I am not super wise. I don't have a secret. There's nothing that really I have that you don't have. What I do have is the willingness to get up every day and do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I'm very consistent. So like I know I could be 10 times further along my journey if I was maybe smarter or let's say I had access to like a bigger network. But what I do know is I am good at showing up. I can Mm -hmm. show up and be consistent. And I think especially in our world with marketing, especially people that work with me and my programs, like the people who get results, they're not the smartest people. 
Like, I'm sure you could pick someone who's smarter, who took our program and didn't get as many results. And that is Mm -hmm. simply because some people are just better at showing up and being consistent. And the beautiful thing is it's something you can learn. Mm -hmm. You can learn to be consistent. You're not just like born with it. It's not just like an inherent trait. So you can join like a program like mine. And as long as you stay consistent and do what you need to do, follow the steps that we tell you, look for help, get some extra support if you need you will get results. Like yeah. we see it time and time again. There's never a case where we would, let's say we speak to someone, they've been doing the program for six months. Like it's impossible for that person to not have seen some results. Some results, If yeah. they actually showed up. Yeah. The difference is if they didn't show up and they quit after two weeks and then they come back to it for a week and then they quit for another two weeks and then come back to it. It's the yeah. same with this podcast. Like you don't just launch a podcast with two weeks of work. You, you just chip away at it each yeah. day each week, a yeah. little bit more, a little bit more until you're in your point, you're in the top 1%, you got 21 episodes, you probably have a hundred. Top 1%, but not that successful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but putting out the content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, at the same time, man, it's like Joe Rogan didn't get to be number one podcaster in the world with five podcasts. Yeah. He got there probably after, <laughs> I don't know. Probably a thousand. Thousands, <laughs> yeah. if not more, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a harsh truth, I think, of life that a lot of us don't really want to admit because it's so easy to look at someone who's more successful than you and think they have something. There's a little mm-hmm. secret. There's a key. Dad gave them money or, you know, they got access to a secret network. Oftentimes it's not. It's just that they were really relentless and they just kept showing up and they yeah. kept battling through the imposter syndrome and the doubts and maybe some doubts even from family and friends. And they just keep going. Yeah. And you do and, that for long enough, you'll get results. And you battle the fear of failure. Like, you know, there's great things about failing, but the fear of failing is is a great burner as well for me anyway i'm like you know it's just like you know you can't you've started it you can't stop you've you've started it now the ball is rolling you know you have to keep going now and it's kind of that pressure on myself but you know i i do really enjoy it you know as well the podcasting and the marketing as well but i want to go back to your you actually had quite a low point, didn't you? Was that around your leaving cert? Your mm-hmm. you were unhappy with your appearance. You yes. were was there other things at you? Did you have other demons? Yes, yes. So I think a lot of this stems. So, like I said at the start, at 12, I made that decision, right? Didn't want to get a job. And again, that came from insecurity. So I knew before anything like before i got acne when i was 15 and before i got this weird skin issue with my lips where it was the weirdest thing ever and we still don't know what it was but literally the skin just wouldn't grow properly and it would just like overlap on itself and there'd be scabs it looked absolutely horrible like that's that's it didn't look nice right Mm. before all of that there was obviously issues so i think what happened with me was i had a bunch of issues insecurity not too confident very shy and then You take that kid and you throw on top cystic acne, which is like big, big spots in your face, like not just little pimples, like big boulders that when you turn your head to the side, you can see it sticking out. Very, Mm. very noticeable. Um, You throw that on them and then you throw this issue with, you know, skin. All of that for me just kind of bubbled up to where I was like, I don't really want to be on this planet anymore. Mm. And I genuinely had those thoughts. And I don't say that lightly. And it's obviously weird. It's kind of sometimes I feel a little bit weird when I say those things and I can choke up a little bit, but it's like, I know if I say it, somebody listening will get some reassurance out of that. Mm. Because when I was in that period, man, one of the things that got me through that was seeing other people online who had skin issues. Mm. 
there was this guy, Brian Turner. He's like a fitness vegan YouTuber. And he had the exact issue I had. Big spots on his face, like the exact same issue. But he was recording himself. He was on YouTube videos. He was smiling. He was happy. So what that gave me was this kind of reassurance that, okay, I'm feeling really bad about this. And I don't quite, I haven't done the inner work to be at his level, mm. but I can get there because there's proof. It's, there's literally proof of someone who has it and is in the position I want to be happy, successful, confident. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, it was a very, very difficult period. Um, that was actually when I started not drinking because I was on this really intense medication that I was told you can't drink with this mm-hmm. medication. And I did drink because at the time, that's yeah. all you were doing. Yeah, that's all I was doing, right? <laughs> So I still did. And then I realized one day I was out and man, I swear my face was like beating. It was like, there was a heartbeat in my face. And I was like, that's not fucking good. That cannot be good in any way, shape or form. So then I was like, right, cool. I'm going to have to break that off completely. What that meant was I secluded myself from my friends a lot. Didn't see them. I would always give them excuses. I'm very grateful that I'm still friends with them. Cause like I was a bit of a dick, mm-hmm. gave them all the excuses under the book. Um, I wouldn't admit that I was feeling shit or that I had issues with confidence, none of that. Because again, it doesn't really come naturally to a lot of guys who are 16, 17 mm-hmm. to talk about that stuff. It's very uh, unmacho like So I really, really kind of pushed myself into a very, very deep hole. Lots of issues, just pushed myself away. Like, you know, there was, a, there was a period where, you know, I had quite a few friends. I knew a lot of people, but there was a time in school where I would just eat my lunch in the bathroom. And it's mm-hmm. like, the weirdest thing looking back because like i had like i had people that didn't care that i looked a certain way like i had people friends that would never even say what's on your face Mm -hmm. and it was blatantly clear like so they wouldn't say a thing but i still just didn't have that confidence to be in public so i would just be like hiding myself away as much as possible and really man getting out of that for me was there was this moment where i went to an appointment we came out of the appointment. I was probably in this stage for like a year and a half at this point. And like, that's a long time when you're young. Like you've missed out on a lot of shit, a lot of events, a lot of parties, mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff. And I remember the sun was just like beating in the car window. I was crying, right? And I'll openly say that I was crying and I was like 17. And it was just this poignant moment of feeling almost pathetic but also proud of myself it was very weird because i felt this is great that you're having this moment but you're never going to be in this scenario ever again Mm. there was a there was a lot of reassurance and i have no idea where it came from but i knew i had to change like i had to just do things differently and that's when i got very deep into self-improvement i often do say business saved my life because if i wasn't running side hustles at the time Look, Who knows I, where I you would have kind of I, that was that was a purpose for me. Without that, I genuinely didn't see any reason to get up any like any day of the week ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, it was extremely difficult, but I do look back at it very fondly because of how much it made me grow. Because mm-hmm. if that didn't happen, right? If I didn't have those skin issues, I think I may still be that scared little boy that was just shy of everything in the world because I didn't have that brute force forcing me just to wake the fuck up. Yeah. So I do look back on it very fondly, um, but I want to give, yeah, practical tips if anybody is in a similar scenario. So things that I did was first, I had to have that realization that, look, this won't go on forever. 
but I'm the only one in control of this. So I can't be looking ex externally and I can't be looking for sympathy or anything of that nature. I've got to basically take this problem as my own and now solve it. So that was the first thing. Second thing then was just putting in a plan in place. So how can I get better? All right, what was the main issue? The issue was confidence. It was lack of self-worth, all of this. So man, I, I just tried a lot of things. I, again, quit watching porn because it just made me feel bad. Mm. I stopped, you know, no fap. Um, I, again, I was working on side hustles, so I was already quite productive, but I'd stop binging Netflix. Uh, I cleaned up my diet a lot. I was working out even more. I was basically just stacking up all these little things that I knew would make me feel better. Yeah. And at the time I had this little motto that I would live my life by, which was I'll do something today. First off, that scares me. And then secondly, I'll do something that my future self will thank me for. Mm. And so those two things combined basically helped me get from a deep, deep, dark hole to a much, much better position where I could meet people, actually be happy and, you know, obviously start some businesses along the way as well. So. Yeah. I just wanted to add there, I've seen the pictures and I always think, I've seen the pictures of you with the with the cystic acne mm. and I always think like at your age that fucking it was it's so unfortunate like I used to get a rash around here before mm. and I used to think mine was bad you know that yep. was when I was I think I got it during my junior start probably because of stress mm. again but I used to get it when I was younger and I remember some kid in, when I was in like fifth class saying oh what what are all them spots about yeah but I knew that he wasn't quite right in the head so I was yeah. like oh yeah that's great <laughs> he said yeah. it but you could brush it off yeah yeah but and I'm I'm always wary to pity someone because I think the pity comes from a sense that you're better than the other person. So I'm I'm very slow to do that as well. Um but that was very unfortunate, your skin condition, mm -hmm. I have to admit. Like I've seen it's it and, it and it's bad. And yeah. congratulations for you know getting through it and figuring it out for yourself. Mm. I want to move on to your businesses now because we've about cool, maybe 10 minutes left, if even. So you're running how many businesses at present? Two. So we've got the marketing agency, which started back in 2019. Uh, so before this, I was doing freelancing. Okay. So did some freelancing in my last year of college, didn't get a job, decided, right, I'll make this work. I was making a few grand a month, pretty happy. Uh, but the issue I fell into was that I felt like it was a job, okay? Because if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. And to make more money, I had to work more hours and I didn't want to work more hours. Very, very weird scenario to be in because it's a blessing and a curse because you're doing it for yourself. And that's when I decided I would go down a, a different route, which was the agency route. So the agency route, if anybody is confused, it's the same thing. You're doing marketing services for a business, any marketing service, you name it. But with an agency, you hire people to do most of the work. With a freelance business, you do everything yourself. Both have pros and cons. Freelance business, you keep all the profits. Uh, there's no expenses. But an agency, yes, you've got some expenses, but you still have very good profit margins and you can scale a lot faster. So we scaled to about, the exact figure was about 12,000 euro a month in roughly like 45 to 60 days. So we scaled incredibly fast, like really, really fast. Now, we wouldn't advise scaling that fast because a lot of things break. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there was only a couple of clients that we could have served better that we didn't, say, that must you know, because we took there's on way too much. There's starting out thinking, yeah. two or three is enough. Exactly, <laughs> Scaling to fucking 12,000 per month, fuck. Yeah, it was fast. Um, So I was running that with a business partner, still am, to this day. So we've had it for like three years at the time of recording this. 
Um, we scaled it to our peak, which was like 54K in a month. But again, that was too fast because that was only like a year after we got to 12K. So we added like an extra 40K roughly in a year. That's a lot of money to add each month. It's like 400K a year extra. And we were already stressed mm -hmm. at 10K a month because there was stuff going wrong. So as you can imagine, a lot of problems can build up to, again, when the business just grows and gets bigger. Yeah. Um, so from there, we scaled down. Like we genuinely were like, this is just chaos and stress is through the roof, not really enjoying this anymore. And this is becoming more of a chore than anything. So we intentionally scaled down. And what that looked like for us was dropping the revenue. So not charging as much money to clients, but not doing as much. So more basic packages, um, hiring more team members for the roles that we needed and just making everything leaner because mm. our margins were not good at that time. Like they were way lower than where they should be. We always tell people when you're running an agency, your margins, if you're doing everything online, like you don't have a physical office or physical employees with you, like on the ground, you should be in and around 60 to 70% margins. You can be yeah. way higher, but that's kind of like, if you're under 60, it's a little bit sketchy and you should definitely change some things. You're hemorrhaging you a bit a of money there. Yeah, you can make a lot more money and the money is there. You just got to find it. So we intentionally scaled that down. And then, you know, during that that period, it really just gave me a lot more time to focus on what I wanted to do going forward. And I actually heard this on a podcast literally the other week, David. It's it's super fitting. We are best, best suited to serve the person we used to be. Okay. So I was best suited at that time to help the person who was a freelancer or the person that wanted to make some money online to do it. Because mm -hmm. I had done it and I had done it at a decent level. Um, so for me, man, I, I kind of shifted my focus from agency, like full time to 50-50 on let me coach people and run the agency to now it's like 5% energy on the agency, 95 on the coaching business. Mm -hmm. um, so for me right now, my main focus is the coaching business. Uh, the only reason I started it really, well, not only reason, there's, there's multiple reasons, right? I'm a businessman, so there's money involved. And I'll yeah. always say that because some people tell you that there's not, what? but there is. No. <laughs> <laughs> I make money from coaching people, all right? I've said it, hands you up. You snake oil salesman, you. Here we go. And it's like, you know, so I, I hear a lot of podcasts. Crook, people you like, online crook. Yeah, people are just, you know, I, I get a little bit fed How up when someone is like, not, not actually that much, man, not that much. But I think the reason... I would get that is because there's people who do coaching and mentoring. And then they say, the only reason I do this is to help people. It's like, no, it's not. That's a portion. That is a fucking portion because it is very enjoyable. Like you're helping old you that is fulfilling. And that's a fun process, yeah. but there is money. So I make money from it. It's got very good profit margins, very scalable, very easy to run. It's all based on my personal brand. So as long as I don't get banned off of every social media platform, that business runs pretty well without many team members. We've got like yeah. two, three people on the team. Um, so yeah, man, those are the two businesses I run. Um, if anybody obviously wants to learn about those things, obviously hit me up, just search my name on really any social media platform and you'll find me there. Um, the coaching for me, again, to be just one of my clear, it's like I do it because I make money from it. Two, I get to help people. And really three is it's it's that fulfillment side. Because, and I do genuinely believe that yeah. quote, we are best suited to help the people that we once were, especially in this coaching industry. And I know for me, David, there's going to become a point, I don't know if it's in the next few months or the next few years where I will start to work with people that are facing those issues that I used to face, confidence mm. issues, 
um, you know, just discipline, motivation, mindset, all of Actually those more like a kind of lifestyle coach rather than lifestyle coach, <clears throat> mindset coach, every lifestyle optimization, everything that comes with it, man. Um, mm. But as of right now, those are the two. And I wouldn't take on any more businesses because there's much more to be had in those. And this is something that a lot of people get very confused about. There's this quote online, most millionaires have seven sources of income. And I think it's, yes, it's true, probably. But what a lot of people don't realize is that you need to have one source that makes enough first before you have six other sources. And I, I fell into this trap for a very long time. So my advice to anybody listening, if you got any inspiration from this podcast is pick one thing and just stick with that. It's very cliche, but it worked. Mm-hmm. Stick with it for a year. And if you're not getting results with it, maybe you either switch lanes or you get extra help. Yeah. Because you can make that thing work. But please don't try and do four things at once. Like don't start a marketing agency, a dropshipping store and trading crypto. Bit of shiny object syndrome. Yeah. And three other things because you'll just get a tiny bit of the results in each, whereas you could just get massive results in one yeah. and make way more money. Yeah. And Look, I'm not affiliated with Adam in any way. I actually just brought Adam on because I wanted to pick his brains. But I will say that Adam and his student success manager, Ty, they're very responsive in text messages as well. So it's not like you're if if anyone wants to do his course, it's not like you're doing the course and you're not getting a message from these guys or you're getting an automated message. You actually do get a message from them back normally within like, Jesus, between the two of them, you probably get one back between six and 12 hours. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's good. And this isn't like disparaging. This is really good. What I want to say about the, your course is there's nothing like, you know, rocket science in it. But what Facts. it does is it just breaks everything down really easy for you and kind of actually tells you things that you kind of know already yourself, mm-hmm. but you just mm-hmm. get to kick up the ass to do them, kind of. So I want to say anyone that's, um, I will link your socials in it. And I think you have links to your other courses. on. Um, yeah, perfect, man. And the, the bio, um, have you any other token or of information or advice to anyone just in general or about business or anything that you want to get out there just to finish us? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So the biggest piece of advice I want to give people, whether you work with me or somebody else, okay? So it doesn't matter if it's me or a different coach or, or mentor out there. Please do find someone, like David said, that responds to you and doesn't just sell you a course. Because I once bought a course and I kid you not, I got to like two videos in, I got confused, there was no support, so I quit. I had no idea what to do. We, when we decided to launch this, like I very, very firmly told myself, I'm not going to let that happen. So we do multiple coaching calls every week, which are literally live Zoom calls with me and my team. Uh, you get daily one-to-one support. We do respond every single day. And for us, I think that's one of the biggest drivers of success for our students. Because when you start anything new, it's confusing and it can be complicated. So there's going to come points where you're confused, you don't know what to do, you need some help. And that's why we're there. So if you do decide to work with someone and you see like a cool course online, it's going to teach you a bunch of stuff, find one that's actually going to give you support. Because in my opinion, our support is more valuable than our course. Our course is Mm. pretty damn good. We recently just rebuilt the whole thing. I flew to Miami to meet Ty, who's our student success manager. And like, I genuinely kid you not, two weeks straight, just rebuilding the whole thing. A lot of work. And I think it's great, but I know the support we give is actually, it's better. Like, cause support is what actually gets you results. It's giving you the feedback you need and the confidence boost every week so that you go out there and do what you need to do. So that's a huge piece of advice I want to give. 
Um, and again, just going back to what we talked about, David, just it's consistency. Okay. So yeah. if you work with me or anybody else, you won't just magically make money with a click of your fingers. Like it does take work, of course, but it takes work over an extended period. Like we've had people get to like 2K a month, 3K a month in their first month. But for some people, it takes them a little bit longer. Like it mm. takes a month and a half, two months, three months, four months. And the main thing there, the main message I want to get to you is that if you do stay consistent with it, it will work. But you do have to stay consistent. Stay consistent. Do it at your own pace. That, like when I see the messages from other people, I'm like, oh, fuck, they're fucking ahead of me. But I'm also, winning. Like, <laughs> I'm also like, I'm a busy person. I'm doing other things as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm plugging away at it. So I'm, you know, they're, they're good for a kick up the ass again. But, you know, also you have to kind of think of yourself. Use it as motivation, not, you know, something to keep you down. Right, exactly. Adam, we'll end it there. Thank you very Perfect, much for David. coming on, man. Sounds good, man. That was a great, great little session there. We talked about a lot that I've never disclosed online. So yeah, hopefully people enjoy it. Okay. Sweet, man.